Hi, good afternoon. <clears throat> it's test free. I'm reading a story today called A Nasty AIDS Death 2015. Um, so grateful to Barbie. Barbie does change. This is her podcast. Uh, this story is going on 10 years old now. Um, it's a very upsetting story about death, abuse, and AIDS, um, what gets communicated uh, in our society, and uh, the surprising late date of it, 2015, after all, the AIDS epidemic in the uh, Bay Area was more than uh, 30 years ago, I believe. Anyway, here we go. This is a story, and it's true, and uh, I hope there's something in here for you, but it's a very hard story. Here we go. A Nasty AIDS Death. Introduction. This is a story about abuse and death. Ring, 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 ring. Oh, I'm so glad you called. Listen, she's dying, and she wants me to sign all her legal papers. What should I do? I was screaming into the phone. Yes, yes, you sign, and you tell the doctors what to do, said the strong man of honest brute strength. He had 20 years on me. I only trusted him because he was the straightest and most conservative arrow I knew, and I considered him a sure shot for basic information about death. He was 20 years older than me, and he was not an American. She told you she what she wants, and you do it. That's what friends are for, he said. I heard him like a thunderbolt, this man of strong values. He told me not to yield, to hold fast in the face of her death. He said I could do it. He, had, he was 20 years older than me. He knew I could do it. I could stand trait. You, you can do it, he said. Sign all the papers. And I did. Tiki became my boss as we, we too tried to make her comfortable in the end of her life. She was going to die at home with all of us partying at her bedside. She would be on the bed and all of us would be surrounding her. She was 75. 10 years older than me, and she was just widowed from her long marriage to a Chinese immigrant woman who had died five years ago. These two women lovers had raised kids, one of whom the Chinese woman had when she was 13 by her father in China. She was never allowed out and, or had very little life as a concubine to her father. Each woman had a sad story, but somehow had survived and made a wonderful life to San Francisco of art and freedom for themselves as gay women in the city by the bay. They lived as loving people. That's what I knew going in. I saw Tiki's love as a successful gay woman in church, progressive in every way, a dancer, a partier. We were all in the Bay Area and I felt more openness of heart would be experienced in her death as it was in life. I felt we were all evolving. I thought I could fulfill her dying wishes within reason. It would be the best experience anyone could have, right? 
to attend and to plan and to be part of your own death participating in the way you want it to go. And I thought, oh, well, you know, after all, this is the West Coast and it's Athens anyway. But she kept telling me over and over, whatever happens, whatever anybody says, whatever anybody does, I want you to do nothing. Do not interfere. Do not intervene. She instructed me over and over again. I was blue in the face. No fucking drugs. No big pharma. Oh, she just, I was so low. I was just coming off my other friend who I died. And she had been my friend for years here in this area. And now I was still so mad. How could she have left me with all these people who really don't like me? And she was the only protection I had. When she was dying, I went in and snuck in the hospital under her bed and slept there. I brought her what I thought would most cheer her, and that was my presence. And I would breathe for her. But there was nothing I could say. It was let go, let go. I And my friend seemed to be have a pleasance in her death. She seemed to say, it's supposed to be about white light. I see it, I see it. But she was pleasant in her death, and she had, she did not, she was not fighting. It was sad. But Tiki was diagnosed January 15th and dead March 15th. Cancer or death, eight weeks flew by, unraveling her death, as I'm pretty certain the way she wanted it to be. I'd never known or seen it so up close, and in my heart, I was helping her meet her own journey. What can I do? I didn't know what to do. I thought I was there to help her. I'd given up negotiating with her anyway. What's the fucking sense of bargaining with her now? She really is in the 11th hour. She lay screaming from pain, screaming and screaming for morphine, and she had slapped the drug hand away just 10 minutes ago. Jesus, help me. I knew this was going to be hard, but I never saw such fighting. She was able to swipe at everyone. She had really a lot of feisty energy. I didn't know what I thought I could do. I only stood there like she asked. She wanted me to stand there. She wanted me to witness. How utterly vain of me. I tried to be in my body and witness without doing anything. I thought this was protecting myself and my experience. I'm surrounding myself with white light and hellfire and brimstone were, were going to forge me into steel. And this really makes me puke as I read it over. So vain, naive. She had plans for me, all right. And the lying parts of her story didn't match up to me, didn't catch up to me until way too late. Confused, off guard, in balance, I almost confused my own spirit with hers. I almost got sucked down her spiritual black hole. I grabbed on the edges of the toilet seat to hang on as I finished puking her evil out of me. By letting Tiki control me, I could now face my own mother and fight her off. Tiki, my goddess evil devil, I had to learn to stand up against evil, and Tiki's death trip helped me sort that out. I did save myself in the end. Tiki tried to connect to my mother, my auntie, and my own spirit. It was divine that she already knew 
that I had something ahead of me that I might not be able to handle. And in her spiteful death, ebbing like the flow of seaweed, my mother, she knew my mother was over a hundred and doing well. This is a little ditty about life, abuse and death and cosmic life again, and it's rough. Plus, I have a little bitch spirit still working itself out in these lines, so make way for her, okay? And I know I switch back and forth between Tiki's living and her death, but if I put her death in exact linear form, you'd never get the story. You'd be needing to read all the way through and get the plot at a few words in the end. And believe me, my friends have told me that it's way too shocking way too shocking and they told me to go back and forth and get an idea of what the big picture was from a distance but I never did put any of this together until the day actually the day before she died so this is a story about the forest not the trees well maybe both but I still process all the clues that I missed I'm sharing some I'm sharing this because some one person may be on page one on the page I was on about death, which was page number one, and you might find some comfort here. But if you're squeamish, stop reading because this is truly a gruesome death. The end of the introduction. Part one, when Tiki was good, the promise no, 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 this is only a mildly horrible nightmare, I stammered every time I turned my head away from looking at her. Certainly not. She didn't look as bad as Boris Karloff, as Frankenstein, staggering around wearing black, wet clothes, stiff-legged, chasing me with outstretched arms in the moonlight, just way worse. The square box head of death created by Frankenstein, Mel, Mel Brooks, what, was the creature that I saw as the Horrible face of horror, hollowed out dreams and past, untaken in death. The death head. Yes, that box had had a creature with bolts sticking out, got created in death. I saw it on a thin on grit bone, gnarled in pain, and whenever a scream leapt out of a hole in her face, that's when pain was happening, as in letting go death pain. All spiritual practices here, and the low chanting helped me. Help me! Help me, help, Tiki said, dying over and over until no one heard any more. She had refused all drugs and death. A purist at heart, she moaned constantly, and she demanded painkillers eight days before she died, when then she had taken herself by ambulance to the hospital. In those eight days, I saw Mel Brooks' monster square box head form over her skull and the thin skin reach up and over down her back, stretched tight over the pale blue and grain bone since all the red went somewhere else to bleed out. After she spent a lot of time jerking, days jerking up and down on the bed, grabbing imaginary things, saying an imaginary, talking to imaginary people and pulling tubes out. She let go, the poor thing. It only did take seven days exactly for the drugs to work, 
just like those fucking nurses or janitors said. I couldn't tell who they were. They all just wear mint green scrubs and they look alike. I giggled to myself here as Lady Gaga says she invented mint green. <laughs> None of these people talk. The machines are on and they all can detect human voices. The noises are essential for the machine-driven death culture to feel safe. It must be played all the time, overshadowing the human heartbeat. Dear Soul Sister Tiki, Drag Queen Partner, CPA, CFO, Filthy Rich, Homeowner, Half a Million in the Bank, Youngest of Nine, Privileged New Engler, Educated, Wealthy, Spiteful, Tall, and Happily Successful. Tiki had 24 hours of peaceful bliss and died in the 25th hour, just like the janitors had told me when I begged them for drugs. She died as she lived, which was very hard. In death, I could see how her life unfolded. I knew in my soul she had died before, before in her youth, when in her gang rape by a bunch of filthy men when she was just a young, athletic, strong, blonde, a preppy girl in New England boarding school. So young to be raped. Poor Tiki. Five or six of them. This pain could now be released in her death. When she gave in to pain, she released into the upside-down triangle mouth of all horror painters, El Greco and Goya, who saw death and painted what they fucking saw exactly. The upside-down pyramid in death, the reversed in life. Oh, I saw that pain. I didn't know it was real until Tiki died, screaming. I could only wonder about those paintings. I wondered if they were real. And now I pronounce, Blessed are they who can interpret and paint what is seen with the eye and grounded by the foot with the trees as only witness. Oh my God, the horror, it's true. Art does depict and reflect, is everyday life. I shouted to the night sky where the answers really live. Death was a concert, form of acts, movements and creation of verse and line and line and line of parallel duality side by side, codependent, one without the other, nothing each alone, united, they are three, each own, and then a new thing, synergy, synchronicity, synthesis, I greet death myself, now that I've seen it, is it possible for me to trust those I have read? My heroes, my writers, did they tell the truth when they wrote? My heroes, Young, Marx, Anin, Anais Nin, Buddha, Jesus, D.H., Steinbeck, Joni, Jack, and Merton, and how many others? Did they write the truth that they saw from living? Can I believe that they each lived from trusting, even now in these Kali Uga times? Now that death and evil, evil come from my friend, I believe I can put, and I've seen, I can put my own life in order 
as a bunch of stringed incidents of pearls and a continuous on a continuous hand-wrought chain of platinum overlay on 925 sterling silver. Chapter 2 It's real and I'm not. I went to class. What's Corey doing? He mused, extending his vaporizer. Corey was following her heart as she trotted her sweet little self out to the oncoming traffic beyond the sidewalk in her short black boots just above her colored swaying skirt. Just to help someone. Stopping traffic to collect papers of a chap. Even with a hole in the ground there, she caused so much commotion, the guy in the hole had to pop up and show his shiny pork pie helmet to see what lay ahead for this crowd. They ran around for papers and everyone laughed. They cheered and they marbled. This is Merc Berkeley. No one got mad. Transcendence to the stars, that's where we came from, light and dark, designed to be be with and God is in you and me. That's what I saw. That's so sweet, but I couldn't speak. Everyone started smiling because Corey did. She shook them all into smiling. She was connected. I felt layers removed again, outside looking in, way in the back of my very own eyes, my very own removed eyes. When I was with Tiki, who was dying, I always knew I was surrounded. I surrounded my deep self as to not to have her affect me. I wore the extra cord of coat of armor. I repelled her qualities, her pompous haughtiness, her self-assured egotistic self. Yet I felt these qualities were hers to deal with and not mine. I separated from her. She had her own death trip going on. That's why else did I stay with Tiki. I promised her in my words, in my words, my words mean something, integrity. It's all that I have. She wanted a witness, so I took the job with authenticity and I tried and I tried to do it. You will see. With a blend of her way and my own way, I shrank and I grew. A lot is unknown, and however, I did promise her. I attended her in her death. Do nothing, do not interfere, do nothing, she was very clear to say. I'll be with you in the end. I'll be with you in the end, and I'll try to fulfill your wishes, I'd say to her. I'll be with you in every way you want. But that promise did not include any abuse of any of any kind, of course. I wasn't thinking about that. I didn't think I was signing up for my own death trip, too. I wasn't in a murder-suicide pact with her. I wasn't going anywhere. Who imagines that? Not me. So I committed to her months and months before anybody was dying. She had told me, all my papers are in order. My niece is to inherit it all, the whole place, the money, the house, everything. She knows it, she gets it all. My niece, I did that years ago. I have all my papers, my wills are all fine, signed. Tika assured me that this niece would be here in the final end. 
and that she would be here to do all the necessary paperwork because she knew exactly what was going to go on with the will. Tiki always had lawyers working for her. She was a high-powered exact. She was a dyke, strong and bullish, and ran a company for Chinese people. She was the CPA. Holy shit, don't mess with Chinese money. I promised from my heart and friendship to make a real effort to be a spiritual partner with her on the journey. I felt confident to be a helpful guide. We were friends. Her other partner had died five years before. She missed her and left in love. Didn't I know that? I felt sorrow for these two. I wanted to help. I felt I was there to be a spiritual guide, you know, a minister. I really wanted to do that. I thought, you know, it was going to be, I was going to do a process. After she died, I played the dead couple's music for them as they wrote their story and released their souls in this writing. She wanted me to witness her great love for her mate, Elaine, who had suffered death in the same way, Tiki would tell me. A quiet hospice, peaceful, quiet death at home, no hospitals. It felt Buddhist. It felt to be detached even from death. This meant I could be detached too, or I could try to love or try to learn from that. Connected as it was, as as a part of mending, it was to be it was it was to be my fate. How can you be so crude, she would say to me, to not see that this is all for you, it's for you. The universe says during moments of silence to myself, trying to keep up with my fast self, having to deal with cancer, her death, feeling half dead from these dreams that were unfurling. I wondered why no one saw me when I felt like an eagle way above the ceiling being lifted up and raised out in one dissociation or another. How is it that I'm invisible? No one ever says anything to me. Did I really check out my friend's death even though I committed her to saying, saying, I was trying to lessen her pain by being present? How could I, how could I do this? I had no idea what death and her pain were. I was living out in the universal faith, my little desires, and to help with my my loaded drinking self, my heart instead of my head was full. As I stood over her, I held my own head in my hands several times while I was listening to her heart. Nothing make any, made any sense. With heart and head disconnected like a good saint, I went along with her, trying hard to keep up, aware to protect myself without letting her hurt me in any way. I had already had a severed head, yet I felt New England tough enough to keep up with her. After all, she was 75, 10 years my elder, and she had buried plenty, and I thought she was teaching me. I want a nice peaceful, calm death with prayers and singing. And you do whatever you want. I trust you. Burn incense. She'd open the window, though, because of the lung cancer thing, she said. These were her wishes over and over. 
We talked about her being home, friends coming, instruments we should play them. She showed me the, the, her favorite in, instruments and her restaurants and where I would order the takeout food. And we would all come and watch TV and listen to jazz radio while she was in the other room dying. And we would all go in and speak to her. I pondered. This was all going to be her last party. She had so much booze. There was all the food ready there, too, to pop in the oven. Frozen lobsters, two huge freezers full of uh, uh, lobsters and steaks, plastic plates and chips and candies, mounds, all dogs' foods was even there. Never mind, she just threw in the end cat food and she just threw out for all the cats she was feeding out the back window. I knew what to do with all the cats, except for the invisible cats she said she couldn't find. One invisible cat ran out, ran out past me after she died. The miserable cat was there, I, even though I'd searched for it miserable times. The cat nearly starved to death, waiting for her to throw open cats of food. It was a big gray thing. It could have been a possum. I don't know. All the notes and the numbers were listed, all set. She had thought of everything about her death and planned every detail, all set to die. Nothing like she had planned happened. Nothing like that happened. End of part one.